You're listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak Phase 2, Episode 32, Down But Not Out. This is Sono. And I am Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3, Discussion and analysis. Um, this week we're going to be discussing Sailor Moon Crystal 35, which is Act 34, Infinity 8, Infinite Labyrinth 1. Sorry, that's too many infin in one sentence. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that they call this Infinite Labyrinth 1, since we seem to be done with the labyrinth. Yeah. Where are we? I don't remember. That's a good, maybe it's a labyrinth within a labyrinth. I think we know where Nolan got the idea for that movie. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, let's see. Do you have anything in the credit section this week? Uh, nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, I'll start off rough demands with, uh, nobody putting that information out there. Um, yes. Kind of sticks. Um, Wikipedia, what's up? <laughs> Um, maybe they're too busy, uh, never mind, just no need to insult. Uh, so, stuff that rubbed me the wrong way about this episode, um, I thought all the stuff about Chibiusa's soul and body was really confusing in the first scene of the hospital. Um, again, Sona, like, the subs were kind of subpar, I think? Yeah, and that there were threw some weak, so the subs were very weird again this week. Um... I don't know what was up with that. I can see how that could make it confusing, though. And again, I get it. You know, subbing's hard, but, uh... It's just that, like, previous episodes didn't have these problems, so I don't know why all of a sudden... Like, Maybe there's a staff the change, or they're not getting the episodes as quickly or something? Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. It's very strange. Um, the next thing is, like, how did they get approval to take Chibusa from the hospital? I don't know if they did. <laughs> like, Mama was like, okay, well, we're going to my house. And I think they just did it. I mean, in all fairness, they could have just, like, grabbed her and flown out the window, right? In theory, they could have. <laughs> um, one way to avoid a hospital bill, I guess. Yeah. Uh, should try that sometime. Um, I wanted maybe a little more build-up to the outers coming around. Uh, I get that they really do want to fight alongside Usagi, but I, um, like, but they feel duty-bound to, you know, save the universe. Yeah, I'm seconding this a little bit because it did feel kind of sudden, uh, just with the way that it happened before they even went inside. There was no real, like, hesitation or moment of, like, but we gotta do this. Like, we can't, we can't stop what we're doing to go help them. We have to do this. Um, they were just like, oops, Usagi's in trouble. Let's drop everything else and go inside now. <laughs> I mean, I know they were trying to get inside anyway, but it was for different reasons. <laughs> right. Um, I was a bit surprised and put off by Magus Kellanite's, uh Tau form. Like, mostly because it seemed fairly different from Telu's and... I kind of expected they'd look more all the same, but she was like, she was like the red-eyes black dragon. <laughs> she was very much like the other, 
the other diamonds, um, which surprised me. Hmm. Um, for me, I feel like when the outers, you know, did bust in and save everyone, um, Usagi might have been a little too focused on Haruka. I mean, she did, uh, say everyone, but, you know, she just goes in and hugs Haruka without even really looking at the others. And I know that Usagi and Haruka have been kind of in this kind of emotional arc with each other, but I feel like it felt a little weird. I did like Setsuna and Michiru kind of interacting with the other girls a lot, but I feel like that moment and that interaction of the two of them, like, running to all of the others, and the conversation that they have with them was more telling of their change of heart than the interaction between Usagi and Haruka. I think that's fair. And that was, that's my only real, real issue with the episode. Okay. Uh, so what, what are our frills? What did we like this week? Um, Mahmuru and Usagi's relationship was so on point here. I love seeing two people happening in love and, uh, even struggling together. I mean, cause things are not wonderful right now, but they're still doing everything and handling everything as a couple. Yeah, no, I'm seconding this. I really loved the scene in Mamaru's apartment, even though, you know, just leaving the hospital. Um, I like how he was willing to do what he had to in order to, you know, keep his daughter alive, no matter what the cost to him would be, and to support Usagi through what is easily the most difficult thing she's ever had to face. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed was uh, Trapped Hotaru messing with Mistress Nine. It was absolutely delightful. Yes, it was hilarious. Like, Hotaru is trapped. She can't do anything, but that has only increased the amount of snark she is dispensing. Um, let's see. Oh, so, like, seeing Kalanite working magic in a magic circle was really cool. It's nice to see the range from, like, instant magic to a more drawn-out service or ceremony to accomplish something, especially because this was her most powerful spell. Yeah, I actually want to go back and take a look, a closer look at her circle and see, like, what interesting things may have been designed into it. Hmm. Um... I have a screen cap. I can send it to you. Um, Mistress Nine's uh, changes to the Mugen Academy building with all the vines and roses is super cool. Um, uh, it gives things a very different look, and it just made me kind of chuckle at like, oh, she's kind of taking over now, and she's making it her place. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the new ending is all kinds of hotness. Um, <laughs> I'm finally starting to see that Mamoru is this embodiment of quiet strength, and it really is something aspirational to me. Like, I want to be that dude. Yeah, I, I, I love the new ending. I, again, wish that they had translated uh, the subs, because the entire time I'm kind of trying not to laugh through it, because it, just, it reminds me so much of, like, 90s Tuxedo Mask. Just, you know, swishing his cape and twirling off into the sunset. Um, it seemed a little weird to me that they were using, like, Neo Queen Serenity and then Prince Endymion. I don't remember ha- her having all of the embellishments that she had, um, in, that she had in the ending, hmm. um, as Princess Serenity, but he was very clearly, um, Prince Endymion instead of King. 
Yeah, I wonder if that's like calling back to the dream uh, that she had in the beginning of the series, but maybe she wasn't fully adorned, like you said. Yeah, like I, I feel like she's very much supposed to be Princess Serenity instead of Neo Queen Serenity. Um, it's just a weird thing, but I know there have been a couple of weird uh, kind of... I don't want to call them continuity, but just weird little hiccups like that. Um, I know there was one back in uh, season one at some point, or maybe season two, uh, it's Luna sitting with uh, the original Queen Serenity, except she's got all of the stuff from when she's like a computer ghost. Like, she has the fairy wings, and I'm like, this is strange. Um, So I know that's happened a couple times, so it may have just been a slight oversight. Um, I really love that even though she knows she has to go save Chibiusa and get her soul back, Usagi still isn't willing to sacrifice anyone else to do it. Like, she just can't fathom the idea of anyone else having to die uh, for her to do something, and I, that's just so beautifully Usagi. And on top of that, like, Mamoru never tries to push her towards the idea of killing Hotaru. Um, like, all he encourages her to do is go save Chibiusa by whatever means she decides are the best. He's like, yeah, go get Chibiusa's soul, but if you don't, if you don't think you have to kill that girl, don't do it. Because uh, I know that's not a thing you want to do. Um, just the sheer volume of nope going on with our guardians. Um, like everyone is completely at wit's end and has no time for the enemy shenanigans. Um, particularly, what got me was Pluto at the hospital being like, "Oh no, they hurt Chibiusa. I'm gonna murder everything." <laughs> Um, and then just Usagi absolutely not having it with Kalanite's illusions of everyone she loves betraying her. Because, I mean, it startles her for a minute because Usagi doesn't know she's in an illusion, but the instant she recognizes that no one she cares about would ever do anything like this, she's just like, okay, no, no, moving on, we're getting out of here. Like, the girl has gotten strong. And I respect that. Um, there's a little moment of when everyone's in Mamoru's apartment of uh, Luna, Artemis, and Diana that I thought was really touching. Uh, we haven't gotten to see a lot of Diana and her bond with Chibiusa, especially in this arc. So, you know, get, that little couple seconds of getting to see her really upset and mourning Chibiusa uh, kind of got me. Um, and this is really small, but when the Witches Five are attacking Usagi in the lobby... Um, Usagi does a sick backflip over Telu's attack, and it was really awesome. Hmm. I think I have to go back and watch that now. <laughs> yeah, she she kind of she backflips over Telu's, dodges Villuis, and then or dodges oh. someone's, and then gets caught in Villuis, um, like nanobots. But she does a sick flip over Telu's like little blast thing, and it was great. Huh. Um. So, what are our quotes? Uh, for me, I have, uh, I'll link my body to Chibiusa's, I'll use my, uh, body as a life support device and to keep Chibiusa's body alive. And I, I had to add in, like, a 
thing to make it make more sense. But anyway, that's Mamoru. Uh, he's saying this to everyone at his place as he's uh, interesting Usagi and the others to recover the legendary silver crystal and Chibiusa's soul. Um, for me, it was whatever labyrinth I wander into, I won't give up my hope, uh, which is Usagi after defeating Kalanite, um, echoing the sentiment Mamoru gave to her when he told her to go um, save Chibiusa's soul. Um, earlier in the episode, um, in yet another very wizard-like statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. I don't know where you stand on, on the shipping of wizard, but... Uh, I stand uh, in a lot of places. <laughs> I'm sure you do, Believe that's me. why. I can't keep track of them all, is what I really meant to say. Um, but, like, Daimon Rinko is very much uh, Haruto's Mamoru. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's like, no denying that. 800% on that. Uh, like, and uh, that's so great. And I almost feel like, um, uh, Koyomi's more like his Chibiusa than anything. Anyway. I'm I don't actually, know. I, I'm gonna talk about, uh, a <laughs> little bit. Uh, Ko- Koyomi seems to fall into a lot of slots as I continue this comparison. <laughs> Uh, it's a, apparently a good comparison because there there keep being threads that you can pull in it. Yes, but um, uh, absolutely, that is pretty much my top wizard ship. <laughs> by the way, good <laughs> as well it should be. Um, okay, so I've got questions. Um, awesomely, I counted them up. There are uh, five questions to celebrate the end of the Witches Five, and uh, here we go. Um, Actually, 5.5-6, because Kalanite... Anyway. Um, what do you think of Mistress Nine's interactions with Kalanite? It was a lot more respectful than I remember. Mistress Nine shows up and is just like, Oh, hey, Kalanite, you know, what's up? Good job with all that stuff you've been doing. Now go keep doing a good job and go beat up those kids. Like, Kalanite still wants to be acknowledged, seemingly even by Mistress Nine and Pharaoh 90, and, you know, she didn't seem, but she didn't seem to believe, like, she had to surpass Mistress Nine or, like, tear her down. She just had to go complete this mission of beating up these guardians. There wasn't really any animosity between them, which I found kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it was interesting for sure. Because, uh, like, they kind of seemed to clash in a subdued way. Um, like there was no cat fight, no struggle over Pharaoh 90 because the opportunity had never materialized. But it was almost more satisfying to me because all that potential was there. Like we knew Kalanite planned to obtain the legendary silver crystal herself and take her place at Pharaoh 90's side, which is exactly what Mistress 9 ends up doing. Uh, and she does it almost effortlessly. Like she comes along and boom, she's got the silver crystal already. And, uh, like she just stakes her claim. Yeah. I was his partner in the in our old world or whatever, however they referred to it, and I'm his partner here. Um, like so, there's like so much unsaid between the two of them, and narratively, it almost feels like Kalanite was just a placeholder for Mistress Nine, which is satisfying, even though it feels like it shouldn't be. It, the the two of them seem to have some very interesting stuff, and I am very interested uh, to see what Crystal does with it. How does? Uh, hearing Professor Tomoe say that he implanted the egg within Hotaru years ago affect how you see him. I mean, as, as he says it, it gets my back up. Um, but this arc has some really interesting foiling, and this episode specifically, 
of Usagi and Mamoru as parents against Professor Tomoe as a parent. Um, and Usagi and Mamoru are not perfect parents by any means. They have almost no idea what they're doing, but they love Chibiusa unconditionally and will literally risk their lives at the ends of the earth for her. Um, and, I mean, Tomoe is a butt, who was at one time a good father and went kind of bananas by whatever Pharaoh Nineties put into his head, um, and uses his daughter for something horrible. And, you know, maybe at the time something in Tomoe's head made him think that planting the egg in Hotaru would be the only thing that could save her after, you know, she was caught in this fire and he also lost his wife. And maybe he tried something desperate to protect his daughter. Or maybe he's just a dude that's gone completely off the deep end and has become absolutely terrible. Either way, as I was writing up that paragraph, I mentally linked him over to White Wizard um, in yet another Sailor Moon Common Rider Wizard parallel um, as Koyomi takes up the spots of both Chibiusa and Hotaru. Which, well, I... I really can't blame you. Like it's it's right there. So um, yeah, no. The the more we discuss this, the more I'm just like, wow, Wizard is just a Sailor Moon AU. It's just alternate universe Common Rider Sailor Moon. <laughs> really makes me want to watch it more. Um, or you know, again, uh, the uh, oh, man that fire. I feel like. The fire was caused, maybe, by Hotaru having that egg inside of her. But, like, I'll wait to see if, if, uh, Mistress Nine has, you know, fire powers. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure which one of those things happened first. Right. Um, so, he could just be terrible, or he could be terrible with an interesting rationalization. Right, right. Um. Either way, he's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. It's a stupid Fueki. <laughs> what a jerk. Anyway, um, so, uh, man, too many bad dads, but at least Mamoru's here. Um, okay, so it really makes me wonder, like, just what kind of monster he is. You know, it was one thing when the Witches Five were putting the eggs in people and that one cat, because it seemed like they were completely unscathed and they were strangers to them. Uh, Hotaru is Tomoe's daughter and he was willing to do this mad or his mad science on her in the service of accomplishing a goal for someone else like had it been his goal i could see a little more but like he's doing it for some you know glowy eye dude space dude yeah like who the hell is he to convince you to abuse your daughter like that like that's awful anyway i mean not that it's not awful anyway but it's just it seems even worse um so like anyway uh like I was saying, Tomoe literally used his own child as an incubator for something and lied to her all this time to allow Mistress Nine to manifest. Uh, he's a vile monster, and I'm about ready for Sailor Moon to vaporize him. Um, continuing with the the wizard parallels, I, I should say, you know, I'm ready for her to kick him into the sun. Um, yes. <laughs> or that would be great. Possibly into the moon, but whatever. <laughs> no, then she'd have to deal with him in, you know. Another five to ten years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, into the sun with him. Um, hmm. <laughs> I just uh, created a new hashtag for uh, against Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay, so next question. Uh, did it seem strange to you that Pharaoh 90 didn't fully recognize the legendary silver crystal as an infinite power source? Um, maybe. 
But, you know, Tau is from outside the solar system, and they just might be from far enough away that he doesn't know what it is. Um, I mean, all of our previous enemies have been from, you know, fairly close to the Moon Kingdom itself. The Dark Kingdom was just over on Earth, which was apparently not hard to get to. Um, and the, you know, Black Moon Clan themselves were from Crystal Tokyo. Uh, so they're, they were all from, you know, places where they would have known where it was and been directly affected by it. But if these are invaders from far off, then it's, you know, not unreasonable that they may not have heard of it. Um, it's kind of seems strange to me at first, but upon further consideration, I think it makes sense because its full power is likely suppressed in the hands of unsavory characters, um, particularly with how Hotaru is at work within Mistress Nine, just kind of trying to trip her up at every instance. Bless this small child. <laughs> Um, okay, next question. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kellanite's spell and the reuse of the Witch's Five? Um, I don't mind the reuse of the Witch's Five at all, um, especially since we show her bringing them back. It's not like they came out of nowhere. Um, I do feel like the Labyrinth itself was something that was handled a little too quickly. I originally wanted to say that the first series had spread this out over at least two episodes, but then I looked at an episode list for this season to fact-check, and I'm not actually sure this happened at all. Um, I'm kind of baffled by this because I remember it, but I may be remembering something similar from a different arc, so I'm not uh, 100% on that. But I do feel that, you know, here in context, the labyrinth happened a little quickly. Um, let's see. Uh, so I, I revel in this kind of villainy. Um, getting into a character's head at all is so engaging to me, and I wish it could have gone on for longer. Uh, as mentioned before, I was excited to see that Kalanite had to draw the magic circle and uh, stage everything just right to make this work. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I also appreciated how contextualizing the Witches 5 as part of Mugen Academy served to give each of them a platform from which to attack our girls. And, like, you know, we talked about that, and I, I believe you checked the manga, and it doesn't say them anything about them being part of the school, and certainly in that Well, it anime, says that they're in the school, but I think they're framed as teachers okay. in the manga instead of other students, but I think I only, like, checked Udall, so I don't know if maybe the others were. Um, but they were part of the school, but th- I think they were framed within the school slightly differently. Okay. Well, I mean, I was baffled at all that they were being framed as part of the school, because, like, hey, what are these, you know, space chicks doing in, in these schools? But, like, it totally makes sense, and it, it made it all worth at whatever, you know, quandary I had at the time. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Very slick. Um... Okay, next question. Uh, is the name Mistress Nine diminutive or diminishing of this lady? I don't think so. I think um, the idea that it might be really comes from like a mod- modern connotations of the word, um, especially in the West. I don't know if it really has that meaning in other languages, but, you know, we hear the word mistress, we think of adultery. Um but mistress is mostly just a feminine form of master, which is, you know, what everyone's calling Pharaoh 90. And I think, and Mistress 9 establishes from the get-go that she's Pharaoh 90's partner uh, and not a servant in the way that Kaolinite and Professor Tomoe and the Witches 5 are. 
And just kind of everything about the way that she behaves and presents herself places her on her equal level with Pharaoh 90. And absolutely, you know, questioning, especially with her handling of the silver crystal, where she puts it inside of herself instead of giving it to Pharaoh 90, I think very much establishes she's on an equal level with him. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure it, it minimizes her at all, um, but it does ring a bit odd to me. Just, I don't know, just it sounds weird. And like you said, adultery, like that's kind of how it's perceived here. Um, I don't know. Another thing for me is that, like, is she being framed as, like, a consort of his or what? Because, like, if that's the case, I don't like her being framed in her relationship to him. But, like, I don't really know that's what they're doing for sure. And, like, I enjoy the use of the word mistress overall, as it actually means, you know, lady master. Um, like, and I hope that's what they're going for here. Yeah. But, like, I didn't hear a Sama there, but I could have missed it. Well, and, but, like, would they have used Sama, or for, or would it have been different? I'm like, not sure. And then, like, would it have been the Japanese word for nine and then Sama? Because, like... It would have it would have been nine sama, but okay. I'm not sure if they're also using it for. They're not using it for Pharaoh ninety either. They're just calling him Master Pharaoh ninety in English. Hmm. So it may just be the way that they're saying it. Okay. That her name might just be nine, <laughs> and that mistress is the actual honorific that's being used, um, and that Mistress Nine is her full title, the way that Master Pharaoh 90 is his. Right. That would make um, some sense. It's still weird, but, it, I mean, yeah, it's, they're from it's a different weird, solar system, so I guess it's okay. Again, I think uh, Takeuchi's just like, this sounds cool. <laughs> Let's do this. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, we still have a little bit of time. Uh, you want to talk about Ray's vision and, like, how interesting that was? Okay. Um, like, that got a little sexual, didn't it? A little bit. Um, <laughs> with, with Yudel just, like, tackling her to the ground. Well, the tackling I get, but what came next was a little surprising. Yeah, and you know, holding her down that way. And, I mean, there are a lot of, with, within the manga, there are a lot of things to that imply uh, Ray is more interested in women or at least not at all interested in men hmm. uh, for reasons that I don't know if Crystal will ever go into because they don't seem to be doing, um, you know, any of the side chapters. But, again, I would definitely, you know, lean toward the manga. Uh, lean toward reading it, getting all all this, these little extra bits that you can. Um, but man, it was... Especially in context with the other three, where they were all kind of presented with these things that they wanted. Ah. That's a good where, angle. I hadn't even really realized that. Where, like, Ami gets to see this, like, crazy supercomputer that she's read about. Um, Makoto gets to see all of these flowers she's really into. Minako gets to be an idol, and Ray is just in her house and pinned down by Udall. Um, it's a very interesting framing of that. I don't know if 
I'm not quite sure what that could mean. You know what? I, I'm glad I decided to bring this up because it, uh, I mean, visually striking, the most visually striking thing was that. Um, but I think it brings up a broader point and like something that I had kind of missed because, um, there's, uh, an episode or two, maybe it's a two-parter called The Last Temptation of the Digidestined from Adventure Zero Two. Or, it's the dub, so it's the, the second season of Digimon. And, like, they have an enemy cast a spell on them where they all get to see, like, their ideal worlds. And, of course, seeing this made me think of that, but I didn't make the connection fully that, like, these are all things that the girls must desire. Um, or, you know, it's very likely, um, and I'm not trying to downplay race sexuality at all by framing it like this, I'm just saying it didn't really hit me. But uh, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that definitely informs her character to some extent. Um, it, it was just—it's also very strange because Ray is the only one where, like, with the other three girls, they were all talked down from fighting. They were all like, "I don't want to fight anymore. I just want." want to do this, I want to be involved with this thing you're presenting me with that I like. Right. Um, where Ray's just like, what's going on? And then, you know, she's tackled and pinned down, and there's, you know, that weird hand-grasping shot, and then you'd all just being like, you don't want to fight anymore, do you? And then we cut away. And it's a very, it's very interesting when juxtaposed against the other three, because each of them goes further in to this than the last one did. So we're presenting Ray at the front, and it's, it's very, I'm really not sure where they want to go with that, where they, what they want that to imply. I would like to think that it's going to inform things in the future, because if she already doesn't want to fight anymore... Um, I mean, well, they were all like, you don't want to fight, you want to do this thing. But Ray is never really presented with a this thing to do instead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, you'd all on top of her. Well, I mean, there's the the, the disciplines, etiquette, martial arts, whatever. But yeah. Like, hmm. But she's just like, wouldn't you rather do this? And then we don't really get a response from Ray. On that. That's weird. That's very strange. So like, hmm. it it may be again because Ray has all of that perception. Um, Ray may not have been totally drawn in, mm-hmm. where they had to be a little more physical and pushing her down into it, um, as opposed to the other three. Yeah, I could see that working, too. It's a very interesting, like, it gives a lot of food for thought, because if you take it and kind of twist around, you can come up with a lot of reasons for why it was framed the way it was. Yeah. Huh. Some some very interesting things to think about there. Um, And again, like, I can't delve further back into the old series to see if maybe they spent more time, because I don't know if the labyrinth actually happened um, in Sailor Moon S. Having looked back at an episode guide and, like, read descriptions for every episode, I don't think this happened. Huh. Or if it did, I am not sure it happened in this way. 
Because um, I know that uh, Kaolinite herself handles things for the fir- for the the first handful of episodes, and I don't know if maybe the labyrinth was in there somewhere, and then the witches five take over. Um, but it's it's strange that I can't even like refer back to something else for more context. Well, <laughs> it's a mystery, I guess, for now. Um, Sailor Moon is now the guardian of mystery, isn't she? So I guess it's uh, it's only fitting. Um, well, do you, do you want to go ahead and call it at that at this point? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, really all we've got for this episode. Uh, so I guess we'll see y'all uh, next week. Uh, yes, and please, uh, in between now and then, uh, if you would remember to rate and review as well as uh, subscribe to the episodes um, on iTunes or through the RSS. That would be great, especially iTunes reviews. They would really help us out, and uh, we would appreciate them very much. Um, so if you would uh, like to do us a kindness, please go ahead and drop us a, uh, a review there. And uh, I, don't know, I guess we'll get together in a week or so to talk about the exciting developments that are going to happen. Um, yes. We, um, we- also... Uh- I have a Patreon account uh, that is involved in me, you know, making, mostly making video games, attempting to. Um, I also do some comics, some music, other things, uh, music such as our opening, our opening music for this season. Um, so I'm, uh, my uh, page there, I'm Watermelon Bees at Patreon, uh, patreon.com, I believe, slash Watermelon Bees. Yes. Uh, you know, check me out. If you want to toss in a couple bucks a month, that would be great, uh, because that's what I'm surviving on right now. Uh, so that would allow me, you know, the time to do my own stuff and keep working on, on the shows here. As well as the, uh, funny little four panel comics you started doing a couple weeks ago. Um, there's a great Uh, one that I just keep chuckling about with, uh, Kamen Rider Smilodon. And, yes, uh, I have been laughing stuff. about that for two weeks. <laughs> um, I already know what I'm doing for this week, and it should be also hilarious. Um, right now, most of the people backing me are, you know, in in the Rider and Sentai circles. But if I, you know, get some some Sailor Moon fans, I'll do some Sailor Moon comics for y'all. I'll do whatever you want. Um, so you know, check it out. I'm just, you know, putting that out there right now. Um, yeah, and uh, if you can't tell, I'm I'm not only a uh, you know ally of Sonos, but I'm also a supporter. So like, definitely check out her stuff and and give her some money. You know, I can't give a ton, but I give what I can, and uh, you know, I get comics yeah, I mean, and stuff for it. So that's yeah, cool. I mean, like all backers get these comics. Um, certain higher pledges get some other things. Um, but everyone gets these comics, uh, everyone gets at least visual updates on what I'm working on, um, and, you know, even just, you know, two, two or three bucks a month goes a long way. So, you know, check it out. And I, I believe there's a patch involved for every uh, level, yes. right? Yes, every level, uh, if, if you back it all once your first pledge, uh, is processed, you can send me a message, I will make you a custom embroidered patch of 
literally anything you want. I've done uh, the transformation brooch for uh, the Sailor Starlights uh, over in the last season. I can do any of the other transformation brooches, the pens. Um, I'll do again. I'll do pretty much anything you want uh, if if you pledge for even one month. There may be a uh, a mechanical uh, bat coming soon, right? Yes, I have I have some Kivat sketches. Uh, I should put I should take those through Photoshop and vector them uh, and get them over. I can do I want to I do want to do Kivat because I love him. He's adorable. Of course, naturally. Um, well, you know we're getting tuned to Common Writer, but definitely everybody check out Sona's Patreon. That's uh, Patreon.com/slash/WatermelonBees. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be it. So until next time, farewell. 